Policy Research Associates is committed to the well-being and wellness of individuals with behavioral health conditions. To help spread information about the importance of the eight dimensions of wellness and recovery, we created a podcast series to address each pillar of wellness. In this podcast, you'll hear from Dr. Crystal Lee Brando, Senior Project Associate at PRA, and Betty Vreeland, as Dr. Brando questions Ms. Vreeland to get down to the basics of mindful eating. Ms. Vreeland details topics like the ways in which a mindful approach to eating can help with weight management, decreasing risk factors for diabetes or high blood pressure. Betty has her Master's of Science in Nursing and is an Advanced Practice Registered Nurse. She's offered workshops on mindful eating at Rutgers and to the Society of Psychiatric Advanced Practice Nurses. To learn more about PRA's work on well-being and wellness, contact us at wellbeing at prainc.com. Hi, this is Crystal. I'm back with Betty Vreeland, where we're continuing our discussion on mindfulness. Today, we're going to be talking about mindful eating. If you did not yet check out our first podcast on mindfulness, please feel free to do so. Otherwise, we're happy that you're back with us, and we're going to go ahead and get started. So, Betty, in our last uh, podcast about mindfulness, you mentioned that the eight dimensions of wellness are all connected. Can you go ahead and tell our listeners about mindfulness and its impact on some of the other dimensions of wellness? Yes, the eight dimensions of wellness are all interrelated and interconnected. Human beings are holistic in nature. Our mind, body, and spirit are all connected. Mindfulness not only has a positive impact on our emotional well-being, it can also affect things like our food and physical activity choices, which can impact our overall health, well-being, and physical wellness. For instance, a whole field of psychology has been developed and is concerned with cultivating greater mindfulness in eating and in the behaviors associated with eating, such as food choices, snacking, portion sizes, how fast we eat, social influences and pressures related to eating, emotional eating, unconscious and unexamined thoughts related to eating, and what some experts call mindless eating. This new field was developed in response to the obesity epidemic and the considerable amount of unhealthy and disordered eating in our society. Do you think um, the obesity epidemic is actually still growing? I've heard that that's the case, and I'm wondering if you think that's true. Yes. Actually, in May of this year, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released findings from the 2015 National Health Survey that indicated obesity is an ongoing concern. The good news was that more Americans had health insurance and fewer smoked cigarettes in 2015 than previous years. However, these gains were overshadowed by the continuing rising rates of obesity and diabetes. According to the CDC, Over 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. That's over 7 out of 10 of us. So most of us struggle with our weight and our relationship with food. Changing our relationship to food is not easy, even when we decide we want to be healthier. This is evident by all the unsuccessful efforts that people make to lose weight. As we talked about in an earlier podcast, the systematic training of the mind through the regular practice of mindfulness can reduce the automatic thoughts and impulses that drive us to make unconscious or unwise choices. Our relationship to food is no exception. For this reason, the practice of mindfulness can be particularly helpful in making and maintaining healthy food and physical activity choices. 
Thank you, Betty. This is very valuable information. Um, when we think about individuals living with mental and or substance use disorders, we know that these people are at higher risk of chronic diseases. Do you think that there's an even higher risk for the weight problems that you just described among individuals with behavioral health conditions? And what about other issues that relate to weight like diabetes or high blood pressure? Yes, unfortunately, that's true. Uh, and this puts the population at risk of premature death. Some experts have called obesity within the population of people with serious mental illnesses an epidemic within an epidemic, meaning that more people with serious mental illnesses have this problem. A variety of factors contribute to this, including weight gain associated with some of the psychiatric medications and the food and ac physical activity choices that people make. Okay, so then with these things in mind, how would someone, how would an individual with a behavioral health condition uh, go about cultivating a more mindful approach to eating to help prevent obesity and these related weight issues? When any person wants to cultivate a mindful approach to eating, perhaps the best place to begin is not by trying to make changes, but rather by paying close attention to exactly what someone's choosing to eat what you're eating, and how it makes you feel. Try observing what your food looks like and how it tastes while you're eating it. The next time you sit down at a meal, really look at what's on your plate and be curious about it. How do you feel when you look at it? What does it look like? Look at the colors, the shapes, the textures. How does it smell? Before you begin eating, consider on a scale of 1 to 10 how hungry you are. With 1 being not hungry at all to 10 being extremely hungry. How do you know the number that you're at? Throughout the meal, check in and be aware how full you feel. Use the same rating of the 1 to 10 scale with 1 being not full at all, and 10 being extremely full, like how you might feel after you ate too much after a Thanksgiving dinner. Tune in to how does the food taste? Is it pleasurable? Is it unpleasant? Does the taste change after the first few bites? Does the taste become more intense or fade as the meal progresses? Did your mind wander while you're eating? Notice how you feel an hour or two after eating. How's your energy level? This sounds very interesting, Betty, but it also sounds like it would take someone a very long time to eat a meal if they practice that. Well, Crystal, it does take more time to cultivate awareness about what and how we eat. Just like most things in life, it takes an investment of our time and energy but we only get one body. And aren't we worth it? A good way to start would be to select one meal or one snack a day that a person can commit to eating more mindfully. For some people, breakfast might be an easier meal to eat more mindfully, and for others, lunch or an afternoon snack or dinner might be the better time. That's a very helpful tip, and I think the rating system that you provided is also helpful, and the idea of starting with one meal or snack at a time to ease into this is a great approach that all people can benefit from. So in addition to that rating system, are there any other tips that you can offer the listeners to help them eat more mindfully? 
Yes, there's a lot of different tips. Sit down while you're eating at every single meal. Sit at the table. Don't eat standing at a counter, over a sink, or at your desk. Also, focus on the food, not the distractions. For example, turn off the TV. Put your phone away. Put all your food on a plate. Visualize all the food. And don't eat out of a bag or a carton. Reflect on your food. Be curious about what you're eating. What are all the ingredients? Where did it come from? Another tip is to eat with chopsticks or your non-dominant hand. This will slow you down. Try doing this for a week or try doing this one meal for a week. Also, take your first bite with your eyes closed and savor your food. Really taste it. Another tip is to eat in silence and engage all your senses while you eat. Sight, taste, smell, sound, feel. How does the food feel in your mouth? Chew each mouthful 20 to 30 times to the consistency of applesauce. Put your fork down after every bite. Don't just hold your fork ready to put the next one in before you're finished. And cultivate a non-judging attitude. That's really important. Observe whatever you're experiencing as it is, rather than classifying it into good or bad, like or dislike. Classifying a food as good or bad, or berating yourself for eating something unhealthy brings negative thinking to the table. Eating should be a pleasurable experience, not one that leaves you feeling guilty. Appreciate the positive aspects of your meal and your food. I'd also encourage listeners to develop a regular meditation practice if they'd like to become more mindful about cultivating healthier eating habits. A regular meditation practice can help cultivate mindfulness in all aspects of our life. In addition, research has shown that engaging in mini meditation sessions before a meal, like taking two to three minutes to practice mindful awareness of the breath can help reduce binge eating. So taking a mini and coming into the present by focusing on your breath before you prepare and or eat a meal can be very, very helpful. Those are great tips, Betty. Thank you so much. Um, You mentioned binge eating, and we know that disordered eating um, is a challenge that our society faces. What can you tell our listeners specifically about emotional eating and how mindfulness and mindful eating can help with this? Well, emotional eating is when someone turns to food for comfort, stress relief, or as a reward rather than to physically satisfy hunger. Many emotional eaters feel powerless over their food cravings. When the urge to eat hits, it's all the person can think about. Emotional hunger often leads to mindless eating. Before you know it, you've eaten a whole bag of chips or an entire pint of ice cream without really paying attention or even enjoying it. Emotional hunger often leads to feelings of regret, guilt, or shame, and can trigger a vicious cycle of more emotional eating. Mindful eating helps individuals develop their awareness of eating habits and allows a person to pause between emotional triggers and actions. 
People can then change their emotional eating habits and develop healthier coping skills and strategies than turning to food when they learn how to eat more mindfully. Mindful eating is a life skill which can lead people to enjoy a satisfying, healthy, and enjoyable relationship with food. And it's a skill that can help people break free from food rules and begin to enjoy healthy, flexible, and relaxing eating practices. Mindful eating is not a diet. Mindful eating is about the way we eat, not what we eat. Betty, we've been talking about mindfulness and mindful eating on this podcast. And when you were just speaking, I heard you mentioned mindless eating. Uh, do you mind telling people what mindless eating is? Sure. I think that mindless eating is a very important concept for, for us to think about. And I'd like that for each of you that are listening right now to take a moment and think about how many food and beverage related decisions that you make each day. On average, most people estimate they make about 15. However, research reveals that we make over 15 times that. The average person makes over 200 food and beverage related decisions each day. And a huge problem is that many food decisions are made on mindless autopilot. For instance, I can think of many times I've passed by a candy dish on the receptionist's desk and mindlessly grabbed a chocolate or two on my way down the hallway. Or how many times at a restaurant my mind has been autopilot as I reached for the bread basket. According to Dr. Brian Wansink, who is an expert in the mindless eating field, rather than overly obsessing about our food decisions, he says we should arrange our environment so it works for us rather than against us. Dr. Wansing says we should teach people to, quote, mindlessly eat better, unquote. I think that cultivating mindful eating habits and shaping our environment so we can mindlessly eat better are two different sets of tools that can help us improve our eating habits. To mindlessly eat better sounds like a very interesting um, idea. Can you share some strategies with our listeners that would help them mindlessly eat better in their own lives? Sure. According to some of the research from Dr. Wansink and his colleagues, they recommend replacing a larger plate, such as a 12-inch plate, with a smaller plate, such as a 10-inch plate. Their research shows that a person tends to overserve onto larger plates. And because people consume an average of 92% of what they serve themselves, larger plates lead to larger food intake. A 2-inch plate difference in plate diameter from 12 inches to 10 inches would result in a 22% fewer calories being served. So if a typical dinner has 800 calories, a smaller plate could lead to a weight loss of around 18 pounds per year for an average size adult. Another tip that they recommend is to use the half plate rule. So for lunch or dinner, Half the plate should be vegetables and fruits, and the other half should be protein and starch. It's an easy visual about how to eat healthy. In addition, he suggests that we mini-size our boxes and bowls. The bigger the package you pour from, the more you'll eat. 
20 to 30% more for most foods. So repackage your jumbo box into smaller bags or containers and serve it up with smaller dishes, smaller plates, smaller bowls, smaller spoons. And furthermore, Dr. Wansing advises us to think 20% less. He recommends serving yourself 20% less than you might think you want before you start to eat. Their research suggests that people can eat 20% less without noticing it. But if they eat 30% less, they realize it. 20% is still under the radar screen. Likewise, the suggestion is to choose a smaller spoon or eat with chopsticks. Dr. Wansink discovered that when even when nutrition experts were given a larger spoon, that they serve themselves larger portions and eat more. Another tip is to become an illusionist. And that means, I'll give an example. If you put six ounces of pasta on an eight-inch plate, it looks like a nice serving. Well, if you put six ounces on a 12-inch plate, it looks like an appetizer portion. They suggest that making these visual illusions work for you. And with glasses, think slender if you want to be slender. If you don't fill your glass, you'll tend to pour 30% more into a wide glass than into a tall, slender one. One more tip is to leave serving dishes in the kitchen. Having serving dishes six feet away gives us a chance to ask, are we really hungry before we grab for that food? And then snack only at the table and only on a clean plate. This makes it less convenient to serve, eat, and clean up after an impulse snack. And don't deprive yourself. The best way to begin changing habits is to do so in a way that doesn't make you feel deprived. Keep the comfort foods, but eat them in smaller amounts. His studies show that most people have some comfort foods that are reasonably healthy. Small doses take you a long way. Betty, this information is fantastic. Um, these are some really useful strategies that I think people can incorporate in day-to-day -day life uh, with little to no cost and really transform the way that they're eating their meals. So there's definitely a few things here that I know I'm going to try out. So I thank you for that and thank you for sharing it with our audience. Um, before we close up today, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about mindfulness or mindful eating? Well, one thing that um, I would like to mention is that many individuals struggle with emotional eating and stress-related eating. In fact, some research suggests that up to 50% of the population demonstrates problematic or disordered relationships with food, body, and exercise. And disordered eating describes a wide range of irregular eating behaviors that don't warrant a diagnosis of a specific eating disorder, including excessive dieting or calorie counting a rigid approach to eating or exercising, self-worth or self-esteem based highly or even on body shape and weight. Something important I want to stress to our listeners is that disordered eating behaviors are common indicators of the development of an eating disorder. And eating disorders are severe and potentially life-threatening mental illnesses. An eating disorder is not a lifestyle choice. And as with any other mental health issue, it's important to explore how and to what extent disordered eating is affecting an individual's daily functioning. A mental health professional can help to distinguish between disordered eating, eating disorders, and a more normative diet and exercise pattern and determine whether someone might be at risk. 
So if any of our listeners believe that you or a loved one may have an eating disorder, please seek professional evaluation and treatment. And beyond that, I'd just like to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in with us today. Perfect. Thank you so much for that valuable information, Betty. And thank you once again for joining us on today's podcast. 